welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Our program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. And I want to thank Peter for becoming our latest Patreon uh, supporter at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Uh, You can become one of our monthly ongoing supporters at patreon.greatdetectives.net or if you like, you can send along a one-time donation at support.greatdetectives.net. Well, now we're going to get into the new series of Richard Diamond, this time with a sponsor, and that sponsor is Rexall Stores, which a listener uh, advised me is are actually getting really big in Canada, and I remember them from uh, Montana, don't see them around much here in Idaho, but at any rate, the original air date on this program is June the 14th of 1950. This one is the William Carnes case, and I will warn you in advance, the audio quality is not that great, particularly when compared to the quality of episodes we were getting during the uh, uh, Network Sustained runs, so just be advised of that. Anyway, let's go ahead and we'll take a listen. While the makers of Rexall drug products and 10,000 independent Rexall family druggists bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. Yes, but none of them have been able to do any good. Oh, what's the problem? 
The jewels were stolen. That's a pretty good problem. The jewels were stolen from Mrs. Carter's safe some three months ago. Until yesterday, neither our men nor the police had a clue as to the thief. Three? Only one? Only one that we know of. Hmm. Last night, we got a tip that a certain man was responsible for the theft. Mm-hmm. That he knows where the jewels are hidden. Please, Brinzel? No, and for a very good reason. This man is being held in Havana, awaiting expedition this weekend. When he gets back, he's bound to serve at least ten years, and we are due to pay off Mrs. Carter's policy by Monday noon of next week. And you want to know where he stashed the jewels before they put him away? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, now, let's see. This is Thursday. You haven't much time. Yes, we must hurry. It's reasonable to believe the jewels are someplace in Cuba. When they extradite him, he will leave and the jewels will remain behind. Oh, what's his name? Regan Collins. Mm-hmm. Wanted in the state to count the forgery. Yes, that's the man. Now, what makes you think he knows where the jewels are? As I said, Mr. Diamond, a tip. My own source of information, and usually quite reliable. What do you want me to do? Do your utmost to find out where the jewels are before Carnes is extradited. When are they sending an officer down to pick him up? Today or tomorrow. You must beat them there. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'll have to get a first permit and ticket. You can take care of the permit this afternoon. That's for the ticket. I have one here on the six o'clock plane. Oh, now, here. Don't rush things. Maybe I don't like the time. I'll give you a $500 retainer now, and another 500 when you deliver the jewels. Oh, well, I'm always asking stupid questions. Several things to remember. My company wants credit for recovering the jewels. Of course. The police are not to be told, as they may cause delay. We haven't a time. Well, if this Mrs. Carter knows the jewels have been recovered, won't she be glad to give you an extension? No, indeed. She'd rather have the 800000 Hmm, Makes sense. Uh, here's your return ticket. No, uh, something else. If cars are taken away before you accomplish your mission, wire me at the plaza in Miami Beach. If you have the jewels, fly to Miami, where I shall meet you. If you don't succeed... May return to New York, and the incident will be forgotten. If I get the jewels, I'm to meet you in Miami. Uh, I'm leaving on a vacation, and I would like to return with the jewels myself. As I said... Your company wants the credit. Exactly. He paid me in five crispy $2,100 bills and left the office, so I left also. When a man like Roger Blake walks in, offers me the total sum of 1,000 iron men to locate $800,000 in missing jewels... Things start confusing me. I have a habit of putting myself in a prospective client's place and then asking the simple question, why? I decided if I were Mr. Roger Blake, I might gladly pay $1,000 for a chance at an $800,000 jackpot. I headed to the 5th Precinct Police Station to do some checking. Oh, hello, Rick. Hello, Murph. Uh, where's Otis? In with the lieutenant. I'm taking over for the next couple of days. Taking over? What's the matter with Otis? Oh, he's leaving town tomorrow morning. Expedition job. Expedition job? Oh, Otis. Wouldn't by any chance be Cuba? Certainly would. How'd you know? Well, he can't be going down there to bring back a criminal. Gotta be a body gorilla or something. Somebody he can talk to. He in with the lieutenant? Yeah, go ahead. Let me know what you find out. Oh, uh, what difference does it make? Who's gonna believe it anyway? You don't have to speak the language, Cornhead. Somebody will be there to meet you. Oh, hello, Rick. Well, good afternoon, Lieutenant. Uh, how are you, Sergeant O? Uh, Lovelune? Uh, como esta buino, am I, Joe? Oh. oh, an accent from a Pochettier. By way of explanation. Otis is going to Cuba. How did you find out? Murph told me. I'll have his badge outside of his office to be considered nothing but another throne. But I am going. I look Yes, back. you am. I am. Uh, the wall. Don't look at me, Rick. It's the commissioner. I've sent the police psychiatrist up there to see him unofficially, of course. The old man told you to send over Right over that intercom. Well, he must have given you a reason. That's like blowing up Boulder Dam to take a shower. Now, what kind of a remark is that, Thomas? 
I've been trying to think of that all day. Otis, go home and start packing. I'm packed. You just found out about this morning. How can you be packed? Well, it's a package of ten ten, a grocer of blue jay corn plasters, and his book on three hundred and one things a bright boy can do. He's packed. Okay, okay. You'll leave tomorrow afternoon. Go get your papers. Right, Lieutenant. A weird deal, Stiers. Oh, who did you say he was going to bring back? William Carnes. You remember him. We got a tip he was hiding out in Cuba, and we had the authorities down there pick him up. They holding him in the uh, the jail in Havana? Yeah. Hmm. Do me a favor, will you? Oh, damn. Check on a guy named Roger Blake. Supposed to be a vice president of a firm called Intercontinental in Bonding. Anything special? Full background, anything you can find out. I need it today. I'm uh, sort of taking a little vacation myself. Starting this evening. Yeah? Why don't you go along with Otis? You'll be nice this time of year. You can help him keep his brains on one lump. Uh, Cuba sounds great, but you know me, Walt. Where would I get enough money to take a trip like that? <laughs> Diamond talking. Uh, Walt, uh, nothing wrong with Roger Blankrick. Hmm? The vice president of the Bonding Corporation, like you said, married once, wife died four years ago. Has a brother somewhere in the West, William Blake. Nothing on him. What else? Well, let's say, uh, vacations in Florida every year about this time. Used to be in charge of the Cuban office of Intercontinental, whatever that is. And, and, and you working for him? Uh-uh, you get getting nosy now. Well, uh-huh. he's got a good record. Gambles a lot when he's down in Florida, but who doesn't? How about his financial statement? Not bad, not good. He's got about 15000 on the bank. Okay, thanks. I'm in a rush, Walt. Well, have a good time. You'll hear all about it. I grabbed my plane okay, and six hours later, we dropped down for a landing at the Havana Airport. I checked in with customs, and being able to abla enough Espanol, I got a tip-hungry cabbie to take me to one of the better hotels, $3 a night. I got a good night's sleep, and bright and early the next morning, went over to the local Bastille. After not too much effort, I was able to visit William Carnes and his jail cell. I want to see you, Mr. Carnes. Well, just making a new part of the You can call when you are here, senor. Hello, Carnes. Did the cops come down and take me back? No. I understand he won't be here until late this afternoon. Well, who are you? Seems to be no privacy, even in jail. Name's Diamond. I'm a novelist. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was in Havana, and I heard you were going to be extradited. I thought you might have an interesting story. I'll bet you did. I uh, understand you're wanted for two counts of forgery. Oh, you do, huh? No story? No story. <laughs> Okay, want to move or I said you again. He, he, I move, I hey, move. what's going on out there? I don't know. Hey, big as you know, Carl, Well, This is a cell. What do you want? What's the idea of the knife? I want you out of this lousy jail, senor. The idea of the knife is to slit this pig's throat if he do not open your cell. <laughs> you will open it now? Please, please, please open it. He held the knife at the jailer's throat while the door was open. He was dressed in what used to be a white Panama suit. He stood about five feet four, weighing in around 200. On his feet, he wore sandals that looked like he'd stayed up nights during Hosen. On top of his head, covering his shaggy black hair, was a straw hat, and stuck in his fat lip was a long black cheroot. Between the smell of garlic and cigar smoke, I began to feel what it might be like to come face to face with a billiard dragon. Senor Carnes, 
right now, time's important. Five hundred dollars worth today. For five fees, I might even become a bully and start twisting your arms. I'm not going to tell you what to find time. But as much as it hurts me, I'll have to twist your arm. You're yes. not twisting very hard. Oh, well, my mind was on something else. Marley? No, it was about that 500 I was going to get for bringing in time. Yes. I really don't need it all. No? No. You were... Uh, you like times a lot? Mm. You're the best one around. Oh. Why? Oh, I could get along on half of the 500. I could get along on a lot less. Will you come back? Uh, where can I find time? You could leave the 250 now. Just to make sure you come back, of course. I could leave 100 just to make sure you give me the right address, of course. No more address of another portfolio. No, thanks. Hold your that's so. When you come back, you can bring everything. I may be bald. I think my hair just caught on fire. I left before the room filled up with smoke and went down to the bartender again. He told me where to find Avenida Postillo. The back entrance to the cafe opened up. The dead end street. A half block down, I found the narrow tree, a fire building all slumped down. I quietly tried the door, finding it locked. I not so quietly braced myself against the firewall and took off like an erratic tile driver. I had to make it fall the first time I hit it. It did. And I sprawled in just in time to see Times die for a dressed drawer. He stopped cold and he saw the 38 in my hand. Okay, okay. Don't you. All right now, happy fingers. I won't unless you get through frisky. Well, right. You're carrying a funny tool. Yeah, and it writes in lead on all six cylinders. Where's the stuff? Now, get with it. You know about Yes, it? I know about the jewels. Come on, I give. Well, can't we make a deal? There's $800,000 in cash. See? Right here in the desk. You can get at least 500 grand at a bank. And 250 is yours. Oh, my itching palm. Why did you think that to happen to me? <laughs> yeah. Do not worry about it, senor. What? What is it? <laughs> As I say, senor, do not worry about the jewels, now. I and my 45 will take all the responsibility. Hand me your pistol, senor. Hmm? Now, are you doing it? I don't get it. First you bust me on the screen, then you come in here. Oh, you got it now? He springs me and I bird dog him to the jewel. Well, I did not know what you would leave me to, senor, but I am one happy man to turn up busy. <laughs> Pick them up and put them in my hat, senor. Uh, fat boy, you, you said a friend sent you to get times out. No, 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 not my friend. Friend of Senor Times. I think he has good reason for wanting him out of jail, so I follow. And I'm smart, right? I'd be rich now, as this little girl, Senor. Oh, oh, here you are. Exactly. I don't think he should come after me for a while. I. Times and I both went for the gun in that dresser drawer like a mace of the gin bottle. It was bargain day and climbed the basement until Times decided to pick up a piece of the metal bedpost and start me on the fiesta habit. <laughs> when I finally came around, well, I done it. Well done. I'd lost the 800,000 in jewels, William Times, and enough blood from my scalp wound to make a vampire to a shotty. I stumbled out of the building and put in a call to the plaza in Miami. Before I could take a maraca, Mr. Roger Blake was on the pipe. Yes? 
Oh, Mr. Blake, this is Diamond. Yes, Diamond. I uh, I was in touch with the uh, the party you sent me to see and took me to uh, to the item you wanted me to get hold of. Well, uh, a big bundle of garlic speaking broken English and saying pistola is now in possession of the item. You mean you had to? Uh, and you let someone take them away from you? Yes, yes. So there's something bothering me. I wonder who gave you that tip. Maybe they tipped the Cuban wino who swiped the item from me. That way I can locate the guy and maybe still earn my other five hundred. Well, get the whole thing, Diamond. What? Keep the original 500 and go on home. Just forget everything. You understand? Yeah, yeah. Goodbye, Mr. Blake. I really didn't understand much, except that a very bad smell was beginning to creep over from Denmark and land in Havana. I couldn't put my finger on it, but something was really wrong. I thought the thing out and then put in calls to all the ticket offices in Miami. I got the answer I wanted. United Airlines in Miami said a Mr. Roger Blake had booked passage and was due in Havana at five that evening. I was waiting at the airport when Mr. Roger Blake, as big as life, stepped down to the big transport and I trailed him out of the cab stand. He climbed in a hack and took off with my cab right behind. Blake's cab reached the outskirts of town and stopped on the dirt street, fronted by Adobe Building. I had my cab pull up a safe distance behind and got out. Blake went up to one of the buildings and knocked on the door. Someone let him in, and I went around back to find a way to get in. I found it in the form of an open window. I could hear voices coming from the front of the place. I'm certainly glad to see you, Senor Blake. Can I get you some batardi or something? You can stay right there. And tell me where they are, one Guzziato. I slipped quietly in and started moving in their general direction. It was thick time. So I made like a bat, shooting the walls and hoping I wouldn't bump into something. Through a crack in the door, I could spot two people. Mr. Roger Blake and short Patton Bages himself. I want the jewels, one. So do I, Senor. And I, I do not do them unless you want to pay me for it. I've already paid you well. You get Senor Pants out of it. Yes, okay. I did that. Well, then I warn you. No, you do not warn me, Senor. I don't care of you. That's what I heard it. Some copycat climbed in the same window I had was heading to the front of the house. While Juan and Blake continued to argue, I ducked into the shadows to the side of the door and waited. I didn't have to wait long to let the William Times, and in his hand was the 32 we'd wrestled over earlier. He poked the muzzle of the gun into the room and went and asked it. Roger Blake turned to meet him, and for the first time I saw the gun in Blake's hand. They both froze, keeping their sights on each other's breakfast. Juan took on a swamp alligator smile and sat out to watch. Well, William... I am so glad to see you again. I'll bet you are. Better drop the gun. My dear. He is your brother. Senor Carnes is your brother. We don't brag about it. Especially when one of us is a cheat. And the others are no good double-crossing louse. You get the police that I was in them. <laughs> what do you say? Hey, hey, if you're brothers, how come your name Carnes and your name Blake? I yeah? changed mine a long time ago when I got into some trouble. I didn't want to ruin my beloved brother's reputation. Senor <laughs> Blake got a good reputation. <laughs> he hired me to get you out of jail so that diamond fellow could follow you. He said nothing about the jewels, but I knew Senor Blake when he used to work in Havana. You could not trust him. Right. I hire one to do a job properly. Senor Carnes has his jewels. Half of them were supposed to be mother. Look me up and ask me to see. Oh, you're right, slice them and forgot that split. So what? Well, you got it. Oh, it's all nice. Little Miss Day. One who has his jewels, and I am not giving to anyone. Well, I might as well get in on this. All the options free. Time. Time turned inside his luck. I felt the bullet pipe my hair and hit the linoleum. 
Times was aiming again, but he forgot to figure three things. His brother, his brother's nasty disposition, and the gun his brother was aiming at him. Times took the slug right around the belt line and went down like a punctured zeppelin. He must have cut his spine in two because he folded up the sheet. Then Blake decided to add me and play for a pair. And just as he started to squeeze the trigger, I saw Juan reach back to his collar. His arm hitched down in the blurred half eye. And before Blake could nail me, he was trying to squirm away from the 10 inch knife that made a great chasm between his shoulder blades. I grabbed his gun quickly and covered one. Ah, they did not love each other, these two. Ah, I feel pretty good, eh? Yeah, yeah, thanks, Juan. Okay. I suppose you're going to want to deal with too, aren't you? That's right. Would you consider what you call the uh, partnership? Right not. Mm. And the duel? Turning him over to the constabulary. Oh, senor. That's the truth. Okay. And me? Well, you, uh, you man. Well, I say, you're alive. I'm not the police, so I can't arrest you. And, uh, I would think a long time before I'd shoot a man who saved my life. Oh, you would. But I warn you, don't try to make a break for it. Oh, I think I've got to. I do not want to stay in jail. The jewels are in my heart. I leave them in the middle of the floor. Adios, amigo. Come back, Juan. Stop her off. Hmm, miss. Well, Maria will understand. I found the phone and explained the whole situation to the local chief of police who was just leaving to beat one Sergeant Otis Lovelone, arriving on the 7 o'clock plane from New York. I ducked out because in my blood was the call of the wild goose, and in 20 minutes I was sitting in Maria's room over the cafe. I was glad to come back. I didn't get that extra 500. Oh, that man's really glad. Because you must have come back just because you wanted to see me. Well, yes, I had something to do with it. You like me to play to you? Oh, sure. Love it, love it. Oh, love it, love it. Bechame. Bechame mucho. Each time I cling to your kiss, I hear music divine. Bechame mucho. Hold me, my darling, and say that you'll always be mine. This joy is something you my arms enfolding you, never knew this thrill before. Whoever thought I'd be holding you close to me, which thing is you do, adore. Here's one, if you could leave me, each little dream would take wings and my life would be through. Bestame mucho, love me forever, and make all my dreams come true. Oh, well, it's, you, you know, it's... Interesting. It changes when I was very young. I. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Isn't there too much light in here? You see, I have a terrible fear of light. Masdephobia, they call it. Well, I... I, I oh, no. Come on, Simon, you better open up. Oh, no. Otis. Who is he? I know you're in there. I trust you down. Well, goodbye, dear. Call him, will you? His name's Loveloon. You better open up, Simon. Will I see you again? Uh, not if you don't call him. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. Now, look, I don't... Hmm. Come in. Well, I don't... Come in. Back to me. Dick Powell will be back in a moment. And now once more, here's your Rexall family druggist. In a recent nationwide survey, American mothers agreed that every family medicine cabinet should contain a reliable all-round mouthwash, gargle, and dress deodorant. And millions of homemakers choose Rexall in I-31 to fill that need. Close strength in I-31 kills contacted germs in a few seconds, yet will not harm delicate membranes of the mouth and throat. Ask for Rexall in I-31 at Rexall drugstores everywhere. And remember, you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. This is our first show in our new series, the Rexall Drug Company. We want to thank you and the 10,000 independent Rexall druggists for making it possible. Good night. Hiya, beautiful. Get lost, Bristlepuss. You need a shave. But I have shaved. What else do you want me to do? Silly boy, she wants you to go stag. Go stag? But why? Because Stag is Rexall's exclusive line of men's good grooming aids. Like Stag Brushless Shave Cream. No fuss, no massage, just smooth it on and presto, you get a clean, close shave. Your face stays smooth and whiskerless all day long. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll go Stag. That's it. Join the Stag line now at Rexall drugstores everywhere. Yes, to make girls care, go Stag. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the Web Surface series, oh, and a Madam's Wife. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Welcome back. Uh, this is one of those episodes where it's best really not to judge how the series is going to go based on it. The sound quality, I think, is a is a uh, is a bit of a factor. Uh, 
Ted DeCorsia doesn't do a whole lot as Lieutenant Levinson, but he's a very good actor. We heard him as Inspector Peter Black, and we're going to hear him soon as Mike Hammer. So somebody who can play both the Scotland Yard Inspector and Mike Hammer, he's got some uh, good radio acting talent, and I'm sure that will come out as the show come on, uh, the show goes on. Just wasn't a whole lot for him to do in this episode. Uh, the song that uh, Diamond sang is actually one of the really great standards of the era. I listen to a lot of uh, variety programs from this time, and you wouldn't believe how many times uh, that particular song is sung. And uh, he does a good job with it. Uh, Otis's is a little more interesting, shall we say. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and Lori writes in, regarding the episode Who Shot the Messenger, I thought this one was clever. The back and forth between Diamond and Otis was really funny. I also noted in the credit they said Virginia Del Valle. I'd forgotten who she was married to. Keep up the good work, Adam. You keep me sane on my commute. Well, I am so glad to help, Lori, and thanks so much for listening. Uh, all right, well, that will do it for today. Uh, join us back here tomorrow for Boston Blackie, and then next Wednesday, another episode of Richard Diamond. And remember, a week from Tuesday, we're going to revisit Jeff Regan. So uh, uh, be sure and listen then. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.